0: It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, September 7th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Sacramento broke a nearly 100-year record no one is celebrating after temperatures reached 116 degrees. The California report hears from UCLA climate scientist Daniel Swain about the role of climate change in these severe heat waves. Then California News Service examines controversy swirling around woody biomass as opponents argue it shouldn't be considered a clean burning energy source. We'll take a look at local news and weather before KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza speaks with Mike Dent, Nevada County Director of Housing and Community Services, about plans for a new wellness center on Sutton Way in Grass Valley.
1: This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. Despite record-breaking demand for electricity, the state was able to avoid rolling blackouts yesterday. The California Independent System Operator, which oversees the state's power grid, issued a Stage 3 power alert, the final step before calling for rolling blackouts. But by 8 last night, officials said conditions had improved, in large part due to conservation efforts by Californians. According to the Cal ISO, peak electricity demand hit more than 52,000 megawatts, shattering the previous high set in 2006. With the heat wave continuing across the state, regulators have already issued another flex alert for later today, asking Californians to conserve energy between 4 and 9 p.m. This painful heat wave continues to smash records across the state. In Santa Rosa, the high was 115 yesterday. Sacramento broke a nearly 100-year record after temperatures reached 116 degrees. And in Vacaville, they climbed to 113. KQED's Laura Clivens has more.
2: The heat was enough to slow BART trains, as engineers worried the trains moving at full speed could warp the tracks. UCLA climate scientist Daniel Swain says the intensity and duration of heat waves like this are clearly linked to climate change.
3: It is so universally the case that climate change has increased the frequency and severity of heat waves Essentially everywhere.
2: He says global warming, driven by humans burning fossil fuels, has changed the state's climate and caused temperatures to rise an additional three to five degrees Fahrenheit on average during heat waves.
3: In many cases, it's the difference between record-breaking heat and non-record-breaking heat. Extreme
2: heat can kill, but these deaths are largely preventable. Drink lots of water, check on neighbors, and take cool baths and showers. Watch out for hot, dry skin, high body temperatures, or throbbing headaches, signs of heat stroke. Cool off and get medical attention immediately. Signs of the less serious heat exhaustion are heavy sweating, cramps, and dizziness. In this case, find a way to cool down. Temperatures are forecasted to fall by Friday or Saturday. For the California Report, I'm Laura Clivens.
1: While cities across the state continue to break heat records this week, there are a few places that are still comfortable, if not downright cool. KQED's Amanda Stupai has more.
4: I'm Jolene Caps and I work at Redwood Coast Cabins RV Resort. And what
1: is the weather like there?
4: The weather is uh, really nice here, actually. It's around 65 to 70 right now.
0: Cap says that's pretty warm for Eureka, which is usually about 50 to 60 degrees this time of year. When I asked Robbie Monroe with the National Weather Service where in the state Californians could go to get cool, he said,
5: The closer to the coast you can get, the better, especially as you head into Northern California, where we see uh, temperatures thanks to that marine influence or marine layer with uh, temperatures only in the 60s.
0: Back at the cabins, Cap says it's normal for the resort to be busy around Labor Day. But several factors like loosening of COVID restrictions and, yes, people escaping the heat, are making this year extra busy.
4: We've actually had more guests than we have space for. We've had to open up several of our um, common areas for uh, camping and some of our private spaces. Uh, As a manager that lives on site, I've had to open up my yard (laughs) um, for people coming in because there is literally within like 200 miles in any direction, there's nowhere for anybody to go.
0: So she says don't head up north without a reservation. Or a sweater.
4: thing that I hear the most is, um, I can't wait uh, to take this weather back with me, which is not a thing. <laughs> I doubt that it follows them every single time, but they're hopeful. For the California Report, I'm Amanda Stupai.
1: The hot weather across the state has brought added concerns about wildfires sparking. And a pair of fires that are burning in the Inland Empire in Southern California are now forcing residents to flee their homes. The relentless heat wave hasn't helped firefighters in their efforts to stop the flames from spreading. KCRW's Kaylee Wells has the details.
4: The Radford Fire is threatening parts of the vacation town of Big Bear. It's burning at the top of the nearby ski resort, where the lack of roads and rough terrain have limited most of the fight to plane and helicopter drops. It's also closed Highway 38, shutting off one of the three main routes in and out of Big Bear. That's why resident Patrice Duncan didn't want to wait any longer
6: to just pray that we don't we don't become another paradise right now. I, um, I've seen too many just horror stories of people being stuck trying to evacuate, waiting too long to evacuate, and I just didn't want to make the news that way. About
4: 60 miles away, crews are battling the Fairview Fire in Hemet as firefighting resources are stretched thin. The causes of both fires are unknown, but SoCal Edison reported circuit activity near Hemet close to the time the fire sparked there. For the California Report, I'm
1: Kaylee Wells in Los Angeles. And in other news, President Joe Biden came out in favor of a California bill that Governor Gavin Newsom has said he's not ready to sign in its current form. KQED's Farida Javala-Romero reports the bill aims to make it easier for farm workers to choose whether to unionize, including by mail-in ballots, without fear of reprisal. California has the most farm
7: workers, and in his statement, Biden said that, quote, the least we owe them is an easier path to make a free and fair choice to organize a union. Here's the bill's author, Assemblymember Mark Stone from Monterey Bay.
5: I think the president's message underscores how important this policy is, not just for California, but for farm workers across the country.
7: But Stone doesn't know if Biden's support will give the bill a better shot with Newsom. The governor's office says the administration can't support, quote, an untested mail-in election process that lacks critical provisions to protect the integrity of union elections. Farm workers say a big problem is that those elections usually happen at their work sites, with supervisors watching. Agricultural laborers are excluded from federal laws that protect other employees from retaliation if they organize or join a union. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala-Romero.
1: Support for the California Report comes from Stanford HealthCare, where their greatest reward is a healthy patient. Paint Care, now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR-2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration, on the web at schmidtocean.org. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, September 7th, where a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Bolanos. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.
0: A consensus to reach net zero emissions by 2045 is where the agreements end. Just how to meet this goal is the beginning of a whole new set of negotiations. California News Service's Edwin J. Vieira has more.
3: Now that California's legislature approved a plan to reach net-zero emissions by 2045, experts are calling for a renewable energy source to be re-evaluated. Woody biomass is under fire in California as opponents argue it's not a clean-burning energy source, more akin to coal since it burns carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. Dr. Shay Wolf with the Center for Biological Diversity says there are plenty of misconceptions about woody biomass's positive aspects. One such myth is that it's good for thinning forests to prevent wildlife fires
4: forest isn't an effective way to reduce wildfire risk. It, in fact, can even make fires burn hotter and faster, and that's not surprising because many larger fire-resistant trees are cut during thinning operations.
3: According to a 2021 report from the Center for Biological Diversity, woody biomass can be twice as harmful since it emits more carbon from power plant smokestacks while leaving less carbon stored in forests. Massachusetts recently became the first state to remove woody biomass from a renewable energy portfolio standard as part of a new climate law. Ultimately, Wolf thinks the state won't have trouble finding ways to fill the gap should this energy source no longer be used. According to 2021 California data, it contributes less than 3% to the state's electrical grid. She feels the state needs to consider more realistic climate solutions.
4: Biomass heats the climate, it pollutes communities, and it's really expensive. It has no place in the state's renewable energy future. It shouldn't be happening in a state that holds itself up as a climate leader. California is in a climate emergency and we don't have time for false solutions."
3: She feels Woody Biomass has hung on so long because the state qualified it as a renewable resource when they first developed a Renewables Portfolio Standard Program. Wolf thinks the state should be promoting cleaner non-carbon energies, such as solar and wind energies, instead of carbon-burning Woody Biomass. I'm Edwin J. Vieira, California News Service. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org.
0: Before we jump into today's regional news, a reminder, we're currently in a flex alert until 9 p.m. tonight. Now back to the news. All eyes are trained on the Mosquito Fire that began near Oxbow Reservoir on Mosquito Ridge Road in the Forest Hill area of Placer County. As of 4 p.m., the 2,000-acre blaze has triggered evacuations and road closures. According to Ubinet, over 250 personnel are currently assigned to the fire, with 0% containment. The wildfire sparked Tuesday in the Tahoe National Forest, just north of the border between Placer and El Dorado counties, and as of 4 p.m., continues displaying extreme fire behavior. A huge, mostly vertical plume of light-colored smoke can be seen from numerous Northern California counties, as far away as Butte and Amador County, and from Tahoe-area ski resorts to the east. In a video update this morning, Cal Fire Nevada Yuba Placer Division Chief Steve Robinson said the Mosquito Fire was burning toward Forest Hill and the Michigan Bluff area. Keep up to date on evacuation warnings by watching YubaNet Fire News on Twitter, the YubaNet Mosquito Incident page, and ZoneHaven at community.zonehaven.com. Western Nevada County residents woke today to smoky skies and unhealthy air quality for sensitive groups, courtesy of the Mosquito Fire. The smoke led the Northern Sierra Air Quality Management District to issue a health advisory for Nevada, Placer, and El Dorado counties through Monday, September twelfth. Joe Fish, Deputy Air Pollution Control Officer with Northern Sierra, says daily wind patterns bring smoke north and then east from the Mosquito Fire at night. Quote, it's all about the wind, that east-flowing downslope wind brought it all to us, Fish says. He expects the daily wind patterns to usher out the smoke each afternoon. FISH advises people to avoid exercising outdoors when air quality is bad, as people will breathe in more particulate matter. Properly fitting N95 masks can protect people from smoke particles. However, reusing them might reduce their effectiveness and make breathing difficult. Surgical and cloth masks aren't effective because of smoke particles' small size. Air quality conditions change rapidly, and smoke may be intermittent and affect different areas dependent upon wind direction and time of day. This from the Union of Grass Valley. A reminder that Nevada County Cooling Centers will be open through Friday, September 9th at the Grass Valley and Penn Valley Libraries. These cooling centers are open from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Cooling centers are air-conditioned spaces where water is available. Well-behaved pets on leashes are allowed, and both libraries are ADA accessible. Library desk services will only be available during regular library hours, But residents can access Wi-Fi and peruse reading materials while using the space. Turning our attention to your local weather and air quality from PurpleAir.com. The historic and record-setting heat wave out west continues, as our listening area is part of the 50-some million people under excessive heat warning and heat advisories in the western U.S. The National Weather Service's excessive heat warning for the Sacramento Valley and Foothills remains in effect until 8 p.m. Friday. However, according to the Union of Grass Valley, temperatures are expected to drop to the mid-80s by Sunday, and it doesn't look like the intense heat is coming back soon. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, clear with a low around 74. Thursday, sunny with a high near 104. Current air quality is unhealthy for sensitive groups, with an AQI average in the 120s. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 55. A 20% chance of showers after 11 p.m., widespread haze between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. Thursday, sunny with a high near 89, widespread haze before noon. Current air quality is unhealthy for sensitive groups, with averages in the 120s. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, clear with a low around 74. Thursday, sunny and hot with a high near 113. Current air quality is moderate, with an AQI of 58. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Nevada County has set its sights on an office building nestled between the Grass Valley Goodwill and Brunswick Safeway on Sutton Way. If all goes according to plan, this will be the location of a wellness center for residents in need of services ranging from substance use to public defenders. The idea is to bring county staff from the Rood Center and other locations closer to where the need is. KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza has the details.
6: Two weeks ago, the Nevada County Board of Supervisors approved the purchase of a property on Sutton Way in Grass Valley near the newly completed Brunswick Commons affordable housing development. The building will be converted into the Sutton Way Wellness Center and will provide services to community members who are experiencing homelessness or are at risk of homelessness. I reached out to Mike Dent, Nevada County's Director of Housing and Community Services, to get the details. To start, why don't you tell me exactly what it is? Sure. So
5: it's uh, the address is uh, 1101 through 1105 Sutton Way. It's a commercial building currently. Uh, Backing up a couple of years, um, when we first envisioned what um, Brunswick Commons directly behind it and above the hill, that apartment complex is going to be receiving um, its first tenants here in probably about a week or two. Uh, Another part of the parcel up there, we wanted to put a navigation center in for homelessness um we had some initial plans drawn up got some cost estimates it was going to cost between for about a 10,500 square foot vision we had up there again this is 2018 2019 um, about five million dollars to build that currently the way the economy is it's more than supply chain it's it's inflation it's uh prevailing wage increases over the last preceding four years we're looking at about a 10 to 12 million dollar project to build we realized a couple of years ago, it's just not economical to build a new building with the vision we originally had up there. So we started looking for commercial properties and we've um, in con- consult with the city of grass Valley, you know, they're, they would prefer to see it kind of in the Brunswick basin. Uh, this property is hundred yards away from the uh, Utah's place, the hospitality house center there. It's directly below and actually two sides of the property are contiguous with our, old tunnel property, the Brunswick Commons, so it's the right location, we feel, for this kind of service. So uh, the county was able to apply for and receive uh, $1.99 million through the state's behavioral health community infrastructure grant program. We call that BCHIP. Just got the award notice in June. Um, They're probably going to be having the standard agreement completed for us in the next couple weeks is what we're hoping for. And so we went ahead and moved forward with this property, solidified our purchase plans with the owner and brought this to the board. So it's going to be called a wellness center. That's a term the behavioral health expansion program is using. It's synonymous with navigation center. The whole idea is to bring services for somebody, a, a resident who is in need of services, and that could be eligibility services. It could be obviously mental health, substance use, Veteran services, uh, we're, we have a vision of having the public defender and probation stop by on a regular basis to have office hours. It'd be a great, also a great location, the way it's designed for our community partners to also come by regularly. could be EBSAC, could be the Spirit Center or any of our other outreach uh, partners like Hospitality House, kind of centralize the location bringing the services closer to where they're needed. Currently, you know, obviously we'd, we would have to go down to Brighton Greens or up to the Rood Center if you wanted eligibility services. If you want behavioral health services, you got to go up to Crown Point, kind of bringing county staff and county contractors closer to where the need is. So that's the vision we have with that property.
6: Will there be any basic services, you know, places for people to wash their clothes, wash themselves, anything like that?
5: Yeah, it's my understanding The the goal of the center would also be to have uh, showering facilities, laundry facilities to give people um, respite uh, and to have them have the opportunity to take care of some of their personal needs.
6: Returning quickly to the funding source. It sounds like a pretty special grant. Does the grant cover the purchase only, or does it cover the build out?
5: So the grant it's,
6: it's called shovel ready.
5: And so there's two uh, paths with the, uh, this round three of the B-CHIP, which is the Bay Area Health Community Infrastructure Grant Program. So round three is uh, shovel ready, which means you have plans to build a new building. You have permits to build a new building. You even have a contractor identified to build that building. Here's some money, go build it. Or the other path that we're choosing to do is to purchase a building that already exists, do whatever modifications are needed, Um uh, with the grant funding and then occupy it and operate it. So that's the path we're going with. The The grant request was for $1.99 million. We're b- purchasing the building for 2 million. So we have to, we're about $25 short. However, there is also a 10% minimum, 10% um, match that's required with the grant. So there will be a, a couple hundred thousand dollars of, Funding that's already identified. We're talking about uh, whole person care funding, community development block grant, technical assistance funding. These are funds that we have already to do. We're calling it light modifications to the building, which is primarily the shower or bathroom facilities. And um, so the money coming from the state will be be for the purchase, and the local or the funding we have through HHSa, which are, is not general fund. It is all other grant sources that we have in 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 the bank, basically, will be used for any uh, modifications of the building.
6: Let's talk timeline. When does work begin and when will community members begin to benefit?
5: So according to the grant timeline, we are hoping to take possession of the building by the end of September, get the plans drawn up for the modification of the building, get the permitting and all that lined up by the end of the year, get the construction underway early, early 2023, and have it occupied by, I think the goal was, the timeline was April at the latest. Um, There may be opportunity because of the design of the building, because there's several units, uh, commercial units within the building, is to operate uh, at a limited capacity earlier than that. But the goal is to have it fully opened by April of 2023.
6: That was Nevada County's Director of Housing and Community Services, Mike Dent, talking about the forthcoming Sutton Way Wellness Center.
0: That's our newscast for this Wednesday, September 7th. Visit us online at KVMR.org for anything you may have missed in tonight's newscast. KVMR gets support from listeners like you and Mercury Cleaners and Drapery Service, a family-owned, full-service, eco-friendly dry cleaning, drapery, and laundering service since 1971, with locations in downtown Grass Valley on South Auburn Street and on Plaza Drive in the Brunswick Basin mercurycleaners.net, and Green Acres Nursery and Supply at Isley's, a full-service nursery in Auburn, offering generations of garden know-how and products for healthy landscapes in low-water years. More information at idiggreenacres.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Thursday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.